Hey everybody, this is Shogmi the Mooney. We're recording today. It is Wednesday, June 24th, 2019. Oh shit. 2020. <laughs> 2020. Okay. You know what? Keep yeah, that in take... because you know what? I wish that it was 2019. We can just start this shit over again. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> uh, June 24th, 2020. We're just hanging out here. Bullshitting. And there's a lot going on today. Well, first we're going to talk about what's going on in the NBA because even though all the sports, there's a lot of news about the sports, NBA, got a little up, a little update for us. And I know that when I woke up earlier, I saw a lot of tweets, a lot of tweets on my feed from Shug about the NBA. He has a lot of opinions about it. I'm on the fence. You know, I'm just, I just wanted to come back, but I know there's a lot of things going on. So Shug, take it away. What do you think about what's going on in the NBA right now? Yeah, man, I've been pissed. I'm, I'm pissed off. I've been pissed for about about a month and a half now because the NBA, to me, isn't doing a smart thing in light of um, this coronavirus, uh, which we talked about at length at the end of the last episode. So the season ended, I believe, uh, I don't know the exact date, but I believe it was between March 9th and March 12th. Right. Player, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the player from the Bucks. Uh, the Utah Jazz. So, I had a player from the Utah Jazz, Rudy Gobert, that um, was infected by the virus. Now, this is in the beginning of uh, the widespread of the pandemic. And he ended up infecting his teammate, Donovan Mitchell. I know, but the whole thing bef- before that, though, like it, like a week earlier, I like it made me mad. Because we were still out working and everything. I was like, hey, you see that dude who, like, freaking coughing on the mics? He had all the, the, the uh, sports journalists were there, and he was, like, coughing on the mics and everything and making Make jokes about it. Making a damn fool of himself. Yeah, I know. Um, and then, like, a week later, it was a weird time. You know, it was, you know, seemed so long ago. But, um, yeah. So that whole team got pretty much – that was the – so the, basically, the team was infected, yeah, and then like the play, the players, they the team they played was infected. I don't think it was the whole team. It was just, I think it was oh, compromised. It, Everyone was compromised. It, yeah, it was compromised, but for sure, it was Rudy Gobert that got it, and eventually, Donovan Mitchell got it, mm. and the um this the team you know as as with most large capacity events, they had to cancel and kind of figured things out and three months later we really haven't figured things out we're still you know playing things safe um rightly so uh large venues aren't being opening aren't being open and you know just to put it out there i'm a knicks fan so our season was probably over but you know if you look at the teams that actually made it at least for the Eastern Conference teams, nine teams from the Eastern Conference made it. Knicks were only about, you know, two, uh, two to four games behind the, the the teams that made it for the eighth and the ninth spot. Yeah, and pretty much uh, ESPN focused on like 50% COVID and sports related and then anti-Knicks shit, right? Like that's, <laughs> that's what we did for uh, As usual. As usual, as, you know, as the mission statement on the wall up in uh, fucking Connecticut. Yeah, yeah, one in doubt. Let's just talk shit about the Knicks. <laughs> it's really funny, yeah. And um, 
Yeah, and me personally, I just thought, you know, just cancel the season. Especially, I mean, personally, you know, at the beginning, they suspended the season, which meant, like, it would just be held up. They'd figure things out. And if it was within uh, um, an appropriate time frame, they would resume and finish out the season. But to me, after, like, a month, a month and a half pass, and you get into, like, Memorial Day, like, you know – you should just can it because you don't know uh, what's going on for the rest of the year, let alone next year. So the further you push back the season, the higher the likelihood would be that the next season would also be pushed back. So instead of a October, November start for the 2020, 2021 uh, NBA season, you're going to look at December or January for the season starting. Mm. Yeah, I heard um, December 1st instead of, like, normally it's, like, Halloween or, like, November 1st. I heard December 1st, but that was, like, a, that was like two weeks ago. And, you, and even then, Mike, like, December 1st is going to be, like, training camp or oh, the preseason it games. It's not even going to be, like, um, the actual season. The season's going to start, yeah. like, on Christmas. That's Yeah. I mean, it's all about, it's about the money and stuff, but, you know. I heard, like, two months ago, I heard, like, I don't, it, maybe it's changed now, but the mayor of uh, L.A., like, this is, like, in late April. Mm-hmm. He said that no public events over, you know, like no major public events until January 1st. And that was two months ago. And now there's, like, other things going on. Um, many major uh, air, regions of, of, uh, of America are reevaluating everything again. And we're almost in July. Mm-hmm. So and, places, yeah. and places are reopening. And the places that have been reopening, uh, what you're seeing now is a spike in the amount of cases. And just to get back to the NBA, the NBA decided that they would have the resolution to all this was to have the season resume in Orlando at Disney World's uh, Wide World of Sports, which is uh, a facility that Hosts um, basketball games. Uh, the Atlanta Braves uh, MLB team they host spring training there, so it's a large sports facility. And you know Disney owns <clears throat> owns everything, and they have a multitude of money uh, down there in Orlando, Florida. So they have enough space to hold what is it, 22 NBA teams, and resume mm-hmm. the season. And the idea is that they would play eight games and those eight games, they would, you know, figure out the last few seeds, uh, you know, the seven and the eight seed. And at the same time for all the teams, get them um, back into basketball shape per se. And they would run the NBA playoff tournament between August and the end of September. And it would all be played in this uh, bubble, they call it. And in this bubble, teams, the players would be able to bring their families. Well, basically, it's like an Olympic village, you know? The Olympic yeah. village, yeah, but a lot of things Yeah, happen. but at least, like, with the Olympics, Olympics only last, like, three or four, you know, three, not even four weeks. I think they only last about three weeks. Eh, just like say a month, but yeah, and it's not a family either. It's just like random. It's just like the teams and stuff. 
but I feel like I I think I went there, but uh, it says it opened in '97, but I think they were already opening back when I was a kid. It was '96, and it was uh, they were already getting ready for like uh, their idea of having like their own teams in that area. Well, they're gonna bring the du- uh, ducks over there and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Disneyland. Never mind. So Disneyland with the ducks, but then all the other teams were gonna come over there. But uh, it you know, I'm looking at it now. Yeah. So that is there would be 22 teams. Mm-hmm. Um, 13 Western Conference teams, nine Eastern Conference teams, and that leaves eight teams, including mm-hmm. my Knicks, that are going to be idle from March, um, first week in March up until whenever the next season starts. And that's if, or, if the next season starts, because really and truly, we don't know where the end point of um, this outbreak is going to be and when this pand- pandemic is going to end. Right. Uh, so basically, uh, yeah. Um, well, I'm an Nick fan too, so don't disrespect me. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a joke. Um, you basically, you leave a team in a basically like a pause state, and then they're not involved. They're not involved in this whole like summer thing, and then they're gonna be screwed double time. Then yeah, the, because the you're talking teams. about ten, ten at least uh, nine to ten months. Uh, the players on these non-playing teams are going to be, you know, out of shape. Uh, you know, they could be out of shape. Sometimes that happens with the long layoff. But they will definitely not be in basketball shape, especially the fact that they're outside of the bubble, of the NBA bubble. Like, how are they supposed to have workouts and scrimmages or whatever in order to stay uh, fit? And um, actually... Some teams, some of the teams are proposing, you know, why not, you know, have those teams play, you know, um, have like mini camps or whatever, where yeah. those non-playoff teams would like NIT play each other. Yeah, I mean, well, probably not for like, you know, anything, but just to stay in shape, just to, to be in yeah. shape. And why not? And, and the NBA know. hasn't even like commented on that. That's been proposed. And, and the contracts, MSG Network. Like they may want to get involved with this and have like the nets and uh, guests together and uh, try to do like a little tournament and stuff like that, you know, just yeah, to that, show that things, could be just, for, mm-hmm. just for ratings. And then you have uh, uh, foxes with the uh, eastern part of the country. They have like Boston, they all the way down to Florida, and you know, I don't Boston. Boston's involved, obviously, but uh, yeah, Boston, yeah. Boston, and Philadelphia are involved. And then that's like, involved too. But I, I do, oh, yeah. I, I do you know, understand. You know what I'm saying? Though. Yeah, I understand what I'm you're saying. saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm just throwing things out there, like, and if this go leaks into the next year, and, and uh, it's all about it's all about the money, because uh, exactly. And before, um, just like we mentioned before, uh, these places that have been reopening, the cases are rising, and they're especially rising in Florida. And Florida, you know, if you know geography, that's where Orlando is. It's and that's smack where dab in the middle of Florida, a little too closer to the uh, Gulf. Uh, yeah, and you um, you're sending hundreds of NBA players, their families, uh, training staff, coaches, because as you know, when you're up there in age, a lot of these coaches are in their 60s, 50s, and 60s, so they're high risk. Uh, individuals, not only to uh, mention that, but you're doing this. An NBA player, Carl Anthony Towns, 
lost his mother. Carl Anthony Towns is younger than I am. He lost his mother to the coronavirus uh, not too long ago. And you're telling these people to either take your family and put them at risk or be away with your, be away from your family um, for this long period of time. And I, I just think it's completely unfair in, in many respects. And my idea, Mike, is like, instead of putting all this effort into a championship, so let me ask you, Mike, as a, as a objective fan, Mm-hmm. They're having this tournament. Um, they're gonna have this playoff and these playing games. Would you consider this championship as canon? It would be less than ninety-nine NBA the uh, Spurs championship ninety-nine. Okay, because it was a short season. But this would be definitely be completely different. Like, like it's different than like a strike because this has nothing to do. It's not solely to do with dispute about money and financing. It has that to do with people's health. So it's morals. It's also people's uh, fears and everything. So it's just completely different. Just like, oh, okay, we're not going to pay it. So we'll, we'll set out this this uh, this NBA, half of the NBA season. It's mm-hmm. completely different in my opinion because, all right, okay, you're going to give me this type. Okay, I'm going to get my, I'm going to get like a portion or maybe all of my money at, at, at this rate mm-hmm. and then give it to me at, at the back end later on. But I have to risk my health. Uh, I have, also, there's a very uh, political thing going on too. So I have to risk my reputation because when you are a superstar, you are a brand too. And that affects your money again in the long run. So this is completely different than just the, uh, the, the lockout and in, in multiple sports. So I don't know what this is. I don't know. I don't know what this is. <laughs> you know, like uh, yeah. as to as to quote uh, Dennis Reynolds, I don't know what that is. <laughs> but uh, but think about it. Like what 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 is it gonna be called? Is it gonna be called the Silverman Award? Uh, maybe they'll do a David Stern um, David Stern Award. Maybe like and just have it be completely different. What do you think? Yeah. Um. And you also have to factor in um this. A uh, polarizing person in the NBA, LeBron James, uh, because everyone feels like every championship he wins is going to bring him closer to Jordan. You know, as you know, Mike, I, I personally don't believe that because he's already lost as many championships as Jordan has won. And he's already, he's only won half as many championships as Jordan's won. So, and he's already up there in age, he's 36. Yeah, he's a uh, four year, five years older, maybe six older than you, right? Yeah. Anyway, I, but like the, the whole thing is like, who cares though? Like, why does it have to compare to something else? Hey, you you did it. This is your own thing. Because back then, Jordan didn't compare himself. They maybe they did in the late eighties and stuff. Somebody like Magic Johnson and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's different. So why why can't you have the you can have the Will Chamberlain and the and uh Robert, you know you can have like the uh, Oscar Robinson. You have your own thing. Just let it be. Do your yeah. own thing. Don't and then compare it. And then you're Man, um too much shit to worry about. Man, and then you have the um last dance. I, I think that might have sealed it right there. You you do a last dance for LeBron. It's a lot more downers. Visuals of, yeah, it's a lot more visuals of like the other teams celebrating and confetti. Downers. You know, him yeah. him walking oh, off the court with just, confetti falling for the other team. The last thing I said was no more uh downers, if you hear that. So basically uh if they did a um if they did a LeBron thing now, it would be solely focused on him coming into the league 
and dominating in the whole the, the high school leaving at 17 and uh being given this whole task mm-hmm. this weight on his shoulder to you know cleveland like cleveland you know and what can he say about that he left then he came back and won you know yeah, but I don't. I don't want to make, go get in too much on like the LeBron Jordan thing. My just my point with bringing him up was just that um, you know whatever he says apparently with this league, whatever he says goes because earlier in the process, a lot of uh, unnamed executives were saying they would cancel the season, and they should cancel the season, and LeBron himself like tweeted out, "Oh no, it's not gonna happen." Blah blah blah. blah. But then last season. LeBron took like the last two or three weeks off of the season because the Lakers were out of it. So I'm like, okay, so now your team's like good. You know, now you want to play. Would you have had that same attitude last year? Somebody should ask him. He'd probably lie and say he would want them to continue playing, but you know, he'd be lying. I think it's very complex and I don't get like a very weird answer like that, but I think uh, in NBA specifically, like it's like, one person is like a it's just, it's a very individual sport nowadays. Even though it's a fucking five on five, so whatever works for them, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, Obviously, we all everyone's like uh, just you know everyone's just speculating, and then we'll you know we'll figure out when the, when it starts happening, then it'll be more uh, interesting and see what happens. And well, I'll see if it happens because every day I'd rather not. It, it yeah, just... if I had a vote, just. Mm-hmm. Fine. We'll watch. We'll keep watching these docu's that they keep coming out that are great, you know. And, and then we can move on. Um, speaking you know? of LeBron, is um somebody uh is a player that's very outspoken that um people keep bringing up a adversarial relationship with, and that's um his former teammate Kyrie Irving, and everybody's piling on him now because he's one of the people that's been rallying up guys to you know opt out of um going to Orlando and I opt out like you said Mike is supposed to be in the next um few days I think yeah well well no the uh the sign the opt-in is today and I I know what you're talking about like, I'm pretty sure they, uh, there was a rumor about creating your own league or something like that like just like moving up like... yeah but I was on un- unsubstantiated nobody is um because you know Kyrie has like a um okay. has been uh very um you know some would say out there in the things that he says Oh, well, let's not get into that. That's another episode. Yeah, so that's, that's something, you know, they've been attributing to him. But everybody's piling on to him. And to me, I think Kyrie didn't really come in in a way to disrupt what is going on. He is just, to me, in my, my, um, in my opinion, I think he was just trying to let players know the influence they have. And then he was, you know, basically saying what's going on in the country as far as the pandemic, you're talking about player safety. Um, when you're talking about the social justice and, you know, the battle against racism that's been going on over the last month or so, he was just rallying players to use this time as a platform because, you know, as we talked about baseball a couple of times on the show, without the players, there's no league. And especially a league like the NBA where it's like 90% black you know, this would be a great time if you wanted to make that statement to rally the owners and rally the league to get behind, you know, the community and do the right thing by black people while you're making, you know, billions of dollars off of them. This would be the time. And I think that's 
the position that he was making. The odd thing about this is Kyrie's injured. I mean, even if he wanted, he couldn't play in Orlando because he's injured. Mm. But I just felt that I was wrong. That I was a lot of mudslinging when he was basically saying, like, listen, if you know, if you want to go and play there, that's cool. But if you don't want to go, that's cool also. And you've seen a lot of players opting out. And yeah, they, they could do like a, a triumvirate type thing where it's like everyone and then people who buy into the whole player association and then also because then 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 they work with the um the idea of the NBA and have like you know so you don't get like ostracized for going against the union you know there should be another little area where you can vent and okay. find out everything you know i mean th- everything in america is is two sided so th- maybe there there should be a third yeah, if, I'm, if i'm not mistaken like Kyrie was um he's the vice president of the players' association, as far as players' reps, player reps, oh, I, no I believe, I believe. Oh, that up. And active, I didn't know active, oh, active players. Or do that. I didn't know it. Yeah, interesting. That's that's very good. I actually. That's yeah, because cool. they have to have like a player rep, like president. I believe. Oh, player he's rep, like yeah, the yeah, vice yeah. president, as far as the players are concerned. Okay. Um. So he's just speaking on behalf of um, you know, as a as a union leader, and he's getting all of these former players like Kendrick Perkins, Matt Barnes basically uh, mudslinging and throwing dirt on his name. Uh, and the other day, like, Kendrick Perkins goes on first take with Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman, and he's going on there with Crocodile Tears because people call him a sellout. But, you know, if you have a person like Kyrie Irving basically telling players to use their power to influence the black community and influence the nation to get behind the black community. And you, as Kendrick Perkins, are basically admonishing him for doing so. Uh, that does, in fact, make you a sellout. So you could save me the crocodile tears, Kendrick Perkins. He said, Kendrick Perkins said that Harry um, Irving is a bad leader. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, that's, that's his opinion. No, I'm saying that's the, two, that's the quote from that episode. That's what I'm saying. He, that's his opinion. Yeah, um, that's and my opinion. opinion is he he is a sellout and shouldn't, you know, if he feels bad, then, you know what, like, just keep your mouth shut. Shouldn't be, I mean, it, it's to me bad when, you know, you're basically doing the devil's work by putting on other players when they start to speak up. Because when they start speaking up for him, you know, I'm pretty sure he wouldn't want, you know, somebody to shut him up then. But when we talk about, like, there's two things I could see that would make this um, not um, possible as far as the players are concerned. Uh, one is the opt-out because you have a lot of players. You already have a few. Um, Davis Bertans from the Washington Wizards, he's already opted out because um, he doesn't want to risk injury going into his free agency. You have a player, uh, Avery Bradley, his son was actually um, recovering from a respiratory illness. So he doesn't want to bring his son there and he doesn't want to be away from his son. So he's opted out. He's on the Lakers with LeBron. I think Dwight Howard said he may opt out. So so the opt out is one way that players might not show up. The other yeah. thing is they have to well, test all of them for the coronavirus. And they've already gotten one um, positive test from uh, – Nokola Jokic from the um, Denver Nuggets, who's their oh. like all-star center. 
So that's an all-star player. So that puts Denver at, at a disadvantage. So just you make know, up. They should just you know have a small, do a um a sixteen team tournament just the, the players and and they did it with the all-star game already where they they realigned everything you know didn't really you know just just have players and new teams and just create new team names you know for different areas and districts or whatever if it's in orlando only you know obviously orlando just make it fun do a little uh daffy duck team and you know, a mighty uh, mickey mouse team and then you know yeah, or you just could just not do it at all. That that's always. Hey, if these if they want money and then they're not thinking about the future, like everyone else is thinking about, like, well, if yeah, I get hurt, if, I get you, sick. if you if you do it, you're gonna have to have like a level of um seriousness to it. So if you start doing that, um, if you start half-assing it, then you know it's gonna be harder to have people buying in if like you know they come in you know with mickey mouse jerseys and donald duck jerseys and all of mm. that but yeah, my think. thing is it's just um you, sh- you should just scrap the idea i mean yeah. i think everything uh, needs to shut down and then we'll start up again yeah you know, when the when with we, nba start up again maybe if, we can start up in december like if in, and when we get a vaccine down. and it's, my thing is why not put in all this effort all this effort and thinking why don't we put it into the next season mm-hmm. You know, just call the season as it was, the same way baseball had to. I mean, like you said, that's that was a strike, and this is obviously something different. But exactly, and you don't see the- you don't see anybody from 1994. I mean, sure, like you know, the Expos and the Yankees, who had the best record in each league, you mm-hmm. know, those years, um, wanted to um, be you know, wanted that to be recognized. But you know, you don't really see. At least for us, yeah. I mean, it's different for for Montreal because they ended up eventually losing their team. But you don't see us as Yankee fans saying like, "Oh, well, like, we would have won in '94 and we didn't." Mm-hmm. Da, da, da. You know, you just understand that the year had to end. Go on to '95. It's a whole different season. '95 was like a pretty solid season. You know, well, first first wild card, right? And it was the first wild card. Yeah, exactly. A lot of things they wanted to impl- implement in '94, they finally did. Adam Silver is talking about having this play-in tournament, uh, having more rest days. And I just feel if, like, you know, you could sit here and things open up for you and you could plan another NBA season where, you know, you could go in and you could schedule a lot more off days. You could schedule an in-season tournament, um, have two weeks in between the All-Star game, things like that, like, why not put in, put the planning into that? Because I feel like they're selling themselves short because now this next season, it's probably going to be a shortened season, either that or it's going to be a full 82 season that starts, 82-game season that starts in December and ends in, like, July. So now you're interfering with baseball, you know, and I'll tell mm-hmm. you something, like, as a Knicks fan, you know, you already know, like, two, three months into the season, like, our season's over, so I'm not going to be paying attention to, to no basketball games in June, no regular season basketball games in June. And if your playoffs is late July, that's when the Yankees uh, uh, and, and baseball, you know, baseball is getting Second into half. their, their pennant. You know, yeah, they're getting into the to the um, to the dog days of summer. That's when um, football is getting ready for training camps. I just feel like uh, college. Around, uh, college football. Uh, college was already like that starts August, like second early first week of August. So it's like, 
basically this would change the entire uh landscape of how we yeah and i don't how we see our year you know how we see our year you know because when it's april you're like wow it's april and when your kids when your kids is like oh school's by the end and all that stuff and then like baseball's about to start and then like going to the games in april and may and then it's just completely changes just like shut it down and then we'll we'll, you know start up again when yeah it's all fine and dandy if you're a strictly nba fan but yeah because you have the top, you have the, the well, I don't want to say five. Well, I guess five. The, but we can all start with NASCAR, too. Is that the sixth sport, you know, the sixth national sport, which has been in the news, too, also. But uh, you have to remember, it's like an ecosystem. It's a sports ecosystem. You know, everything, things mm-hmm. chill out, and then things hype up. You know, it's kind of like that. So, yeah, but I don't like the idea of um, messing with the sports um, calendar. Oh. It's fine and dandy if you like, you know, just the NBA. But you know, if you live in LA, because you know, if if your whole like uh, counter argument to me is like, oh well, you're a Knicks fan, so you don't care about basketball after like, you know, the first twenty games. If you're in LA, you're a Dodger and a Laker fan. Like, you know, would you want to have to be, you know, uh, June like fifth? Come and you have to choose between watching a Laker game or watching like the Dodgers Giants. Yeah. You know, I, I, the system to me, the, the sports calendar as it functions is what it is. Now, if the coronavirus um, makes us have to adjust it, then so be it. But I, I wouldn't mess with the sports calendar. Yeah, it, was just, it would change it for going forward. The only thing is just shut it down now and then go back to normal later. Back to normal is the word, everyone, phrase everyone uses. But I don't they need that and money. who knows? Like, normal might not be normal anymore. You know, well, you, might have en- you might have, like, empty arena games, uh, or you might have games where you have to sit uh, four seats apart and, like, three rows apart and stuff like that. So, you know, we don't know what's, what's going to happen. We just it's, an a- it's an attack on uh, man-spreading. That's all I'm saying. It's a conspiracy. <laughs> it's a conspiracy. Man, and I've seen everyone do it. It's not a gender thing. Okay? Listen, if I if I could go to games, I could like spread my my. If I could man spread, I would love it because some of those seats be so Jesus, tiny. Man. I get like, vertigo. Remember, remember when we went to Raw? <laughs> I get vertigo. I get vertigo. I went to WrestleMania. I was in the top row, way in the back, mm-hmm. and I was just in like vertigo. I had to sit, and then I was just like, I couldn't do anything. It was like, hey, maybe don't. Smushing a hundred thousand people in a little arena. Maybe that's something we'll learn. Maybe Tampa Bay, um, the Tampa Bay Rays had it right by like tarping off like half their seats because nobody would come to games. Yeah, they gotta do. You gotta do the uh, movie theater model, space in between everyone. You know, I <laughs> would I sit next in Seinfeld. Would I sit next to you, right next to you, and watch a movie at your house? No, you little little room. So you live one little empty chair, and then we're good. We're gonna talk about um some um sports video games, Mike. Okay, so me me and Shug have been talking about when sports are gonna come back with uh with this whole pandemic and everything, but in the meantime, uh you always have sports games and Shug's been playing his ass off with the MLB the show. He's been updating me all the time and you know, I at nauseum, but it's it's still fun though. So uh, hit me up with um, this this classic moment in your uh, your career. 
Yeah, so um, I'm going to start off by saying I started playing sports video games um, around 2003. And, you know, when you're a kid, you want to be an athlete or you want to be, you know, something. You want to be somebody famous. So these sports video games gave you that avenue to, um, you know, play out your fantasy, so to speak. And unfortunately, this has carried on into my late 20s. But, you know, what I used to do was I would create myself and add myself to a certain team in a franchise mode. Sometimes I would create my friends um, to imagine us as being superstar athletes. Uh, and around 2006, these sports games, I believe Madden was the first uh, to have like a superstar mode. And uh, the Sony branded um, MLB game, um, because I used to play MVP baseball. And then what so happened was uh, MLB gave the exclusive rights to um, 2K Sports to make um, the MLB 2K series, which I didn't really care for. So I went out and got uh, MB, MB, MLB to show um, 06 uh, with David Ortiz on the cover. And, you know, they would have commercials where, you know, it would highlight that now you could actually uh, be designated as a certain player, create yourself, designate yourself as a certain player and play out that person's career. Um, and, you know, do their interactions with the manager, with the teammates. And, you know, before you would have to like sim through the game and get to your guy, but the game did that for you. So I did that in um, MLB, the show 06. So I've been playing MLB, the show since then. And just a few years ago, just to give some background on my MLB, the show character that I'm using now, um, I started off playing with him in MLB, the show uh, 14, because that was the first year um, you could do year-to-year saves. So every year, you didn't have to um, create yourself. You didn't have to create yourself like every year. You would create yourself the one year, and then you play like a couple seasons, and then you could buy the next game the next year, um, upload your character from last year. So I've been doing that for the last couple of years. So my player, he started off with the Colorado Rockies. Um, I don't have video from, uh, this is for the, the guys watching on YouTube. So I don't have video from early on in my career. I only have the video from like the last few seasons of my career, starting in um, 2028. In this imagined world, my player is 38 years old. I've been playing with the Colorado Rockies. I've won a few MVPs. Uh, we've went to the playoffs a few times. I actually won the World Series in 2023 and 2025. All, both times we've played the Detroit Tigers in the World Series. And both times I've won the NLCS uh, MVP, but I had not won the World Series MVP. So in this first video, uh, or this first game we're going to go to, it is Game 7 of the 2028 NLCS against the Philadelphia Phillies um, at Coors Field. And I just want to fast forward to the final part of the game. It begins in 
uh, the game, actually, we started off um, with a 2-0 lead and around the uh, middle innings, the Phillies took over, got a 4-2 lead. But I, um, but we actually tied it up going into the ninth, and I let off the ninth inning down one, and I walked. And then the next batter doubled me in to tie it, and it took us into extra innings. So my first at-bat of the extra innings, I doubled to center, and the next batter right. grounded into a fielder's choice up the middle, and I couldn't see the play behind me, so I just assumed it went past me. So I ended up going from second to third, and uh, the second baseman or the shortstop, whoever was behind me, threw the third and got me out. So I screwed up an opportunity for us to win. So the next at bat, this is a 13 inning. There's two outs. And I double to right. Um, actually, off the bat, it felt like a home run because in course field, uh, there's this little um, set of um, like boxes that I poke out um, to make a little porch. So sometimes I would hit some cheap home runs into that area. So I thought it was going to, uh, you know, go into those seats and, uh, you know, hit a home run to win the World Series. I mean, to win the ALCS. I mean, the NLCS, like, you know, Aaron Boone did. But at other times, what would happen was the right fielder would be playing, like, really far off the um, the wall. They had, like, a manual scoreboard out there. So the, the right fielder would play far off the wall to – play the ball off the wall if the ball hit the wall. So sometimes the ball would carry over the right fielder's head, where in, like, other stadiums, this would be out, you know, a fly out. So I hit it over his head. It ends up being a, um, it ends up being a double with two outs, mind you. And the next batter actually singles up the middle, and I actually listened to the call um, from the game so as soon as I heard the ball got through for a single, I just chug it, and I chug it, and I chug it, went in, scored the winning run, and we walked off as uh, winners of the National League pennant and go on to the World Series. And for the third time in my uh, road to the show, we face uh, the Detroit Tigers. It's uh, Colorado Rockies and Detroit Tigers. So... The um, first series, we had won in seven games. We went into game six with the 3-2 lead, and the pitcher at the time gave up, like, uh, had a really, really bad game. So it forced us into a game seven, and we ended up pulling game seven off. And then the second time we played uh, Detroit in the World Series, we actually um, swept them. And it was actually one of the relatively easy uh, World Series I've won playing the game. So we went to the World Series and played the Tigers. Uh, in those World Series. Well, who the hell is the uh, – trying to figure out who's the pitcher for the uh, Phillies at the last – when you get on base and then you're on second and then you get you get driven home. Um, it's uh at this point these players are all creative characters. Oh, creative characters. Oh, 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 actually man. like okay. uh game creative totally characters. Like but it's a guy um uh in this game, he's always been on the Phillies as far as I've played, uh Richard Dobbins. 
So yeah. it's like a lifelong, if it was real life, right. like it would be somebody that's really like, um, you know, Philly fans would probably have like an emotional connection to. Yeah, so then the next game I'm going to go to is game two of the World Series that I just uh, scored the winning run to get into. And it's us against Detroit. Um, So it's the bottom of the ninth. Uh, We're down two against Detroit. This is game two of the World Series. We're up 1-0. And it's two outs. And there's a runner on first. And I just thought, I was just like, all right, the first thing up, you know, it's, you know, we already are up. Um, 101 in the series. So I figured, you know, if if we lose, you know, it's not a big deal. We could just come back game three and try to win that one. But I figured with a runner on first, it's an opportunity to tie. So as soon as I saw something that was up, as soon as I saw something that was up, I would, you know, hit it and try to hit it hard. So I end up getting a hanging slider and I hit a two run home run uh to tie the game. It goes straight to center field, four hundred and twenty five feet. First pitch, hanger, right off the bat, run it out, run it out. It's finally gone so I could slow down. And we ended up going on to win that game. And we actually beat Detroit in five, and I finally won my elusive uh, World Series MVP that I immediately uh, DM'd Mike to tell him about. All right, so the next thing I'm going to show is my uh, – at this point in my career, um, uh, after the 2029 season, the Rockies um, – actually – the 2029 season, I actually get injured. And so so we're obviously not, you know, as good without me in the line. I'm not to toot my own horn. So we missed the playoffs. And uh, I actually get a, a injury. I think um, a broken finger. So it puts me on, like, the 60-day uh, um, injured list. So I miss, like, a major trunk, chunk of the season. Um, and at the end of the season, the Rockies had a team option uh, whether or not to keep me for what would, in my mind, be like my last season. So they released me. But at the time, I have 719 home runs. So basically, I need about 43 to tie Barry Bonds' record. And... The one team that ends up signing me is the L.A. Dodgers, um, who in the year previous had lost uh, 100 games. Uh, They were 62 on 100. So I joined their team, and I didn't really think, like, I would end up hitting, you know, like 43 home runs. So I ended up hitting 45. So what I'm going to share with you now real quickly is my 763rd home run that broke uh, Barry Bonds' record. So it's in Oakland, so it's an interleague game. It's um like the last weekend of September, so I kind of had to try to get it before the season ended. So the pitcher throws uh 
uh, so no, I said two, a fastball up and in off the plate. And then the next pitch is like a hanging changeup. So I pull that into left field in the Oakland Coliseum and ends up getting my um, 763rd home run. And, you know, you see uh, the team coming out and celebrating, uh, meeting me at home plate. I come out, do the whole, um, uh, what do you call that, the, the curtain call. Uh, the opposing team, the, the A's are, like, cheering, you know, clapping for me out of respect. So it's a, it's a real nice visual that they show you on MLB The Show. A little bit of fanfare. And this one uh, is a really fun one to watch because I actually prepped for this episode by um, looking at this highlight. It's game five of the NLDS, the division series against the Washington Nationals. So just to give like some background, uh, we went into the ninth inning leading by four runs. It was a 9-5 game at home in Dodger Stadium. And they bring in a relief pitcher. That relief pitcher gives up like a bloop single and then walks the next two batters. So they bring in another reliever. That reliever gives up two runs, two of the inherited runners. And he walks the next batter. So it's like bases. Uh, no, actually, he didn't walk the next batter. Um, no, he did walk the next batter. And it was um, bases loaded. Uh, no outs and a 9-7 game and the ball is hit like just slightly above my glove and into um, left field uh, for a single but it scores the two runs so the game's tied so the game's blown and it's a 9-9 game but the next batter, you anticipate they're going to bunt. So they bunt. And usually what I do with my player when I'm at third base, I feel the bunt from third base, uh, you know, up the line and throw it to second so that the lead runner is out. But the batter ended up being so slow that we ended up getting a double play. So it's two outs with a runner on third uh, in a 9-9 tied game. So a single would have gave them the lead. Uh, but the reliever finally strikes out the last batter, and it's 9-9. So fast forward to the 13th inning. I hit a single up the middle uh, with a runner on first. The runner on first goes to third. So I hit it up the middle, and my guy is, like, pretty fast. So what I do is on the throw – to third, they're trying to get, you know, the, the lead runner. On I throw to third, I advance to second, which is important with one out because it made them unable to intentionally walk the next batter. They were basically forced to throw to the next batter because even if you intentionally walk um, the next batter, it would be bases loaded with one out. So that pitcher would be forced to throw strikes. So in all likelihood, there's a higher percentage of a sack fly uh, just based off the fact that I hustled to second and made a second to third with one out. So, of course, the next batter hits that sack fly, and we win um, the series in five games on, a walk on another walk-off. And then the last clip I want to show you guys 
is game five of the World Series. Um, we went on after we beat the Nationals to beat the Cardinals in seven. I won another NLCS. So every time I've gone to the World oh. Series, uh, this is the fourth time. Every time I've won the National League um, Championship Series MVP. But in this game, they count like all your, sla- your stats for the playoffs for the National League or the postseason MVP. Uh, so we're down 4 nothing, And it was 5-4 in the ninth. And I hit an infield single uh, to first to make it two on with no outs. And then the next two batters um, threw a fielder's choice and a single, knocked me in. So it's tied going into um, going into extra innings. And I find, I get my next at bat in the 11th inning, um, still 5-5. And I lead off uh, the inning, so there's no outs. And the batter, you know, of course, you can't give up um, – just gave up, give up base runners, so they have to throw to me. And I end up making it 3-2. And uh, the pitcher throws an 87-mile-per-hour 80, splitter uh, in the top of the strike zone um, off the plate, but in the zone. So I barely miss it, and I fouled it off. So the next play, I mean, the next pitch, he throws – the same exact pitch in the same spot, but two miles per hour slower. And I hit it to center field, walk off home run, and it gives the Dodgers a series, a three-two series lead, and we end up um, winning the series. But it's interesting because we like um, didn't have home field advantage. Uh, Baltimore, the the Orioles is the team we're playing. They had home field advantage, and we like blew them out in the first two games in Camden Yards and then come back to Dodger Stadium and they end up winning the first two games, um, game three and four at Dodger Stadium. So the fact that they were 4-0, they were almost going to take, you know, the lead back home. And I hit that home run and I got us um, the series lead and then we went on to the next game and I actually hit like the home run that put us ahead in game six. They, you know, we ended up scoring some um, insurance runs and we won that World Series, you know, the World Series in six games. And in this world, I got to end my career off as a World Series champion. And that's my road to the show player. So hopefully in um, lieu of actual sports, um, if anybody's playing and, you know, you get to play out your fantasy while you're in this quarantine and have as much fun as I, I did, um, more power to you. I actually also have a picture, and I threw a no-hitter. Um, Mike could probably show you guys that video um, also. Yes, I had that one. Yeah, that's but, a, um... yeah I threw a no-hitter. I would have um, had a perfect game, but um, with, like, two outs in the eighth, uh, the shortstop or the third baseman, like, threw out of first. And it was an error, but I, you know, completed the game and got a no-hitter. So, I, and I'll, I'll let you know, like, um, with the batter, I usually play on, like, veteran, which is, like, not a high level of play because I like hitting. So, I don't want to play just to, like, you know, frustrate myself. But with the pitcher, uh, I do the dynamic um, – uh, setting, which is like, if you really suck, it will like 
you know, decrease the difficulty for you. But if you're really good, it will stay really high. So I'm really good at pitching. So with the pitcher, I usually um, pitch really well. So I'm at like a legend, uh, which is like the highest level for the pitching difficulty when I'm pitching. So I threw a no hitter on like the highest difficulty. Uh, it was real random. I was like listening to like 90s, um, like 90s pop music while I was doing it. So if you're playing this, maybe like pop yeah, on some, um, you know, we're all out of fate. This is how I feel. Like play something like that. Why are you playing? Uh, yeah. Natalie Am- Ambro- Ambrosia. That was. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm all out of love. I'm all out of love. What I was doing last night, I was conquering some medieval lands with dragons and shit, listening to uh, some 80s pop music. That was what I was doing. I would have been listening uh, to some, listening to some I wish. Dio. Holy diver! <laughs> but, yeah. So, um, I can't wait for next year. Well, supposedly the system, the next console generation is going to be pushed or uh, very very uh, small quantities of shipments. So I'm really, I've been dying for the show for like two years, uh, maybe you know, more. Because the last like baseball game I played was MVP 2004. I played the shit out of it. I have it right here. It's the three uh, PlayStation Two. I PlayStation Two MVP 2004, mm-hmm. and um, I played that thing up until like it was like it's 2028, and this is like. 15 years ago, I was like, it was just like insane. Like where um, I was more invested in like the A ball than like the the Yankees that I, the team I would pick. And I, and then like I made like I created Cole O'Neill to come back yeah. out of retirement. And he was like yeah. 40 back then. So yeah, so I can't wait for because um, I'm an Xbox guy. So for Xbox to get them will be the show. So yeah, that's a guy. Um, the the thing that kind of inspired. Me actually, Mike came up with the idea to talk about this. Um, but the guy that inspired me to to even like do this, um, is a guy, um, Trill Withers. If um, anybody follows him, he's hilarious on um, Twitter. Uh, but a lot of times, like him and his followers, like they would interact about his um, his road to the show. Uh, because sometimes he does it on Twitch. I don't think I would do the hitter on Twitch because, you know, I like to, like, focus and I don't want to be, like, nervous while I'm hitting. But I think the picture, if, if I ever got on Twitch, if I ever made a Twitch account, I might do that. And if I if I make a Twitch account, I'll let you guys know so you guys can follow me. Also, if this uh, quarantine thing, I know people aren't really, it's over now, apparently. But me and Shug are very stingy. Mm-hmm. But me and him, old school. PlayStation 2, two controllers side by side. I think we should play arena football. I don't even know that game existed, so I learned something. I know. I got, it for, I, I got it for two bucks, and uh, there was no XFL game. So I got this when XFL got reannounced two years ago. Mm-hmm. I got it for two bucks. And, uh, you know, it's not like Blitz was a great game. Remember Blitz? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So you know, because I'm an old school guy. So there you go. Yeah. So Mike, if there were a sports documentary on my road to the show player on say MLB Network or 
ESPN as like a 30 for 30. Would you be interested in watching it? I'm always ready because I am a fan of the theatrics of sports. So yeah. what uh what documentary is on? Is this one about maybe like a uh maybe a theme about two competing forces competing for one thing at the same time? Or it could be it could be that. It could also be about the most famous baseball player during the 1990s. But we're going to talk about that in a minute. And our friend, Joel, will be joining us. So stay tuned for that. All right. So there's no MLB baseball in 2020 right now at the moment. There's a lot of documentaries out there and sports in general. But right now we're going to talk about 1998, there was a home run race between three individuals. Hank Griffey Jr., Tammy Sosa, Mark McGuire. And this documentary we're going to talk about is focusing more on Sosa and McGuire, who ended up achieving the goal and the ramifications of it and the whole just thing that happened with the sports world at that moment. We're also going to talk about the rest of the sports world and in the Major League Baseball and specifically in 1998. Because uh, the documentary we watched was about 30 for 30, Long Gone Summer. Roger Maris had owned the record for uh, Major League home runs in a single season. And at the time, if you've uh, followed uh, the history of baseball, um, or if you've seen the movie 62, directed by um, Billy Crystal, uh, uh, it documents the struggle uh, Roger Maris had to go through uh, to break that record. Many people, probably for the non-racist reason that they did uh, when Hank Aaron broke the all-time record, uh, many people... All of these records, people wanted Babe Ruth to hold these records, and they felt that um, they shouldn't be broken by uh, certain people for whatever reasons. Uh, Roger Maris, uh, because you know he wasn't a big name like you know an heir, heir apparent like Mickey Mantle, and in Hank Aaron's case, he was black. Uh, Babe Ruth was white, so people didn't want to see a black man breaking a white man's record. But um, the single season home run record, uh, Roger Maris broke it. Uh, he broke it while Mickey Mantle was his teammate. And people preferred Mickey Mantle because, you know, he was a homegrown uh, Yankees superstar at the time. Uh, Roger Maris was, you know, an import and, you know, he wasn't as... Uh, engaging as Mickey Mantle were, was. Um, so he didn't really connect with fans and that made it extra hard for him to break the record. Also to add in, uh, 1961 was also the year that the American League added eight more games. So he had eight more games to break a record that Babe Ruth broke uh, or break, Babe Ruth set in within 154 games. You know, I had 162 games to break that record. And fast forward uh, 37 years, 
1998 and uh, Mark McGuire, a uh, slugging first baseman, was on pace to break the record. And around June of that year, Sammy Sosa of the Chicago Cubs uh, hit 20 home runs in that month. So he jumped right into the race. And originally, Ken Griffey was thought to be the person that would challenge Mark McGuire. And, you know, the summer of 98 and the chase for the home run title would have been between those two. And Sammy Sosa jumped in. So, you know, guys, we're going to talk about this documentary. It aired um, uh, two Sundays ago on ESPN. I personally found it a bit boring because other than the home runs, it really didn't provide any context. It really had no storyline. And as we all know, in retrospect, what the major story was as far as that home run race, um, the steroids and the the performance-enhancing drugs um, involved, uh, they weren't really talked about until the very end of the uh, 30 for 30. And whenever they would discuss, they would show Barry Bonds or pictures of him or, you know, little videos of him hitting home runs, which I thought was a bit unfair, especially when he wasn't involved in the film and the two uh, principal subjects were. So I just want to hear you guys' thoughts on the documentary. Okay, so uh, I'm going to jump off. If you don't mind, Joel. So um, I had two ideas. Second, the first one I'm going to bring up later on because it wraps it all up. It's the first shot of the film, but I'm going to bring it up later on. Second is basically this is like a uh, like a wet dream for baseball when baseball used to be baseball. And you're uh, Bob Casas. I'm not a fan. I know you're a fan. But they're like baseball used to be pure and all that stuff. And they're using like they show the they show the Barry Bonds and everything. And then like Mark McGuire is like like a like a he's like weak and he's like he's like asking for forgiveness and he's like ah, ah I was like tired and I was like I don't know what happened. Like basically he was seen as like whatever. Sammy Sosa was there too as well and they didn't really get into Griffey. But they're basically like promoting National League, uh, National League baseball. Um, at one point, they mentioned that uh, the St. Louis Cardinals and the Cubs are like the greatest rivalry in baseball. And okay, maybe, but no. Like there's also you know the Yankees and the Red Sox were big. You know, I just think they were more focused on like the the heartland, like. You know, like, it felt very, like, heartfelt and not very, like, gritty. Like, I want to know what the hell happened with the steroids. I want to know what people knew, you know. This felt very um, soft, um, just very, just, let's, this is what happened on this day. He hit a dinger. He hit a dinger on that day. He hit a dinger on that day. And I remember 1998 very well. But that was like one of the early years where I was like reading the new the newspaper every day. I was like look, flipping through the sports pages, and everything was McGuire. It was McGuire. It was McGuire. And even in New York, it was like they had McGuire on. But then at the same time, they had the New York Yankees who were on their way to have the greatest season. And I know that the Babe Ruth thing is like up there with like the holy grail of like sports mm-hmm. uh, statistics and everything. But I think this was a puff piece puff piece of 
30 for 30. Because 30 for 30 is, is usually very, very, uh, very, very hard, like hard hitting journalism. This is just like a, felt like a pup piece. Yeah, what about you, Joel? Yeah, it's like, it's like you said, I found it boring, honestly. Because the entire, just me looking at it as a Yankee fan and a baseball fan, period, I knew that whole 61 beating the record, especially with the steroids on top of that kind of like, that's all I was thinking about, honestly. Like, yo, both of these guys did this on steroids. That's what I was thinking the whole time. And like, what at Maguire ended up, you know, even in what I found funny is that they have in the whole documentary on the whole runs. And then in the same documentary, he comes out and admits, well, that he admitted, obviously. And then he's telling his story right then and there after just, we just seen him in Sosa go try to break the record. But then in the same documentary, there you go admitting that you took performance enhancement drugs. I forgot what was the name of the supplement that they showed. Andrew. But they even showed the sub. Yeah, they even showed the supplement. So it was like it was over the counter GNC. I think had it. I think. Yeah, like over the counter, they showed it. So like, I'm just like confused again. It was mostly boring for me, mm-hmm. but it's just like confusion. It's like, all right, do we praise these two men because they actually beat the record, or? Obviously, they're always going to be judged for using PED, but it's almost like it, one of them for sure admitted yeah. on camera. Yeah, that, that's good. That's a good. That's a great point. That's a great point because I, I also felt that in the beginning we forgot to mention we forgot to mention this. This was very important, but we forgot to mention that uh, the MLB was coming out of the strike. So at the time, I know that the, everyone talks about the sports, the different uh, major sports in America. But NHL was super hot in the early 90s um, as well as the other ones. So the MLB got pushed back again because it was, like, boring pretty much. That's what That was, like, the public perception was boring. So they needed to like, spice it up. And then they had the strike, and then they needed to, like, hype it up again. And basically they kind of, like, hit, every, hit all the steroid things. Um, and then eventually you found out that, well – Later on, you found out about the steroids with like the what was like souped up balls too and all that. But um, yeah, it was basically them trying to recover from. It was basically the MLB trying to get into the new millennium, and they had the Yankees for all those years. You know, uh, two thousand was the Subway Series, and uh, people forget that MLB put brushed a lot of things under the rug with the steroids. Yeah. Yeah. yeah really but which was not talked about in the documentary. That's what we're saying. It was like a, a puff piece. Yeah, puff talk, piece. I keep saying a puff piece. I have to they, say it like they talk about it. Um, there's a guy I, I follow on Twitter. Um, uh, Jack O. He said it, it was as if um, talking about steroids as far as that documentary, as far as Long Gone Summer is concerned, it's like making a Nixon documentary and not talking about Watergate until like the last like 10 minutes of it like that's what it felt like in this um in this piece but uh you know people that's true and then no I agree with that I know I'm sorry uh but I agree with that like it's they were trying to make they were trying to like turn 
1998 season of the Home Run Derby, well, I say Home Run Derby, but the Home Run Race, into like a magical thing that like you would see in the 30s. Like, a, and Bob Casas is he's all about that. He loves the magical myth of the MLB. And, um, and then they just, I thought it was over. I went, all right. And like, I was like, clean my plate. I had made a little food and I was cleaning my plate. And I was like, I double left. I was like, oh, it's still on. All right. Yeah, I was like, watch, I was watching my Jay Leno. I was just watching it. And I, I'm usually watching things. I'm laid out on my bed, looking at my phone, like scrolling through Twitter and like Instagram. And so you're on Twitter. <laughs> um, I'm scrolling through and I'm watching it. And, you know, reading stuff while it's going on. And I wasn't really paying attention to it, really, because all it seemed was, like, it was just, like, showing, like, home run replays. That's all it was, is home runs. Yeah, and, and then they showed, hey, like, hey. the one part, like, during the chase, like, before, you know, after, before um they actually get close and they break the record, like, they tried to make a big deal out of, um like, an umpire throwing Mark McGuire out of a game. Yeah. He's a bitch fit. Yeah, and it was just like, all right, well, and, you know, yeah. again, that was a situation I might have been roid rage, but, you know, they, of course, didn't even, like, didn't even... Uh, that wasn't even, like, a good ejection. Yeah. It wasn't, like, nobody even, like, threw anything. It wasn't, like, a Lou Pinella. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Lou Pinella, like, ejection. But anytime you see... It was a um, regular... No, but the other thing was just, the, the, the drama of that moment was... You know, my son, you know, I brought my son over and like, he missed Mark McGuire getting his first, you know, he missed it. Like, okay. I watch it on TV, like everybody else. It's like, okay, like that's the drama compared to like getting like shit thrown at you. And, like, yeah, and there's been so many what? times in like MLB history, people have gotten like had, you know, started off the year and had like 40 home runs, um, yeah, you know, in August had, or, uh, or something like that. Right? And you know, don't end you, up getting close. So, who who knows if they, like, those guys could have, like, hit all of those home runs and, you know, probably under normal cir- circumstances without PEDs, they would have probably, like, burnt out by, you know, September and, you know, ended up with, like, 52 home runs and, like, 56 home runs in normal years. But because they use PEDs, and let me just preface this by saying, like, I don't care about PD usage because as we've seen from this documentary, if that's one thing you could take away, like baseball was far more interesting when guys were hitting, um, you know, broken bat uh, home runs for like 440 feet. But, you know, the fact that they took PDs, like that, that also uh, made it a lot easier, easier for them to um, – get to that level and like I said they showed Barry Bonds every time they did talk about PEDs and it's been reported that yeah I didn't like how they threw him under the bus yeah it's been reported that the only reason that he actually you know allegedly started like doing PEDs if he did was because of those two because he spent his whole career you know being yeah. a guy that would hit 40 home runs and steal 40 home, um, steal 40 bases in the same season, uh, win all of these MVPs, um, all of this stuff, and he wasn't getting any type of recognition or any type of attention. So then he finally does it, and he outdoes both of them because he broke the home run record. He hit 73 and 01. 
and yeah, I, I remember and I, watched I, it, I watched and that's class. that's the only year that's the only year as much as people want to talk about Barry Bonds not being a real home run clay king da 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 da, da like the only year in Barry Bonds's career that he hit 50 home runs was that 73 home run season so he was a far more consistent home run hitter and um hitter for average than Sammy Sosa or Mark McGuire were. Oh, and it was kind of like a a, a jab. McGuire goes, I know who he was. I, I did not know who he was until I knew he was in my league. I knew who he was, though. Remember when they introduced Sammy Sosa? Remember when they mentioned him? And he, like, McGuire's like, I didn't know who he was. And, you know. Yeah, like, I, uh, I found that part kind of confusing. Dominican, Sammy Sosa was, like, always in our – everybody always spoke about Sammy Sosa. He was a White Sox, too. Before they they mentioned the uh, rain, uh, Rangers, right? Wasn't he a White Sox too? Yeah, he was on Sammy the White Sox. Yeah, he was on the White yeah, Sox. So like, yeah, so they mentioned the Rangers and they go to the White. Then they just completely skip over that whole thing. They show that Bush comment. Yeah, but him saying that like he didn't know who he was. If I'm not mistaken, there was a part in the documentary I said like Sammy Sosa was like the first Cub to be in like the thirty thirty the thirty. The thirty for thirty club, you know, thirty home runs, thirty stolen bases. Yeah. So it's not like he was a complete nobody. He was like an all star at if some level, think, or at least like a really good player at some level. It. So you had you had the uh, base boy. What do you call that again? The ground. You have the grounds. The the bat boy being interviewed. You have uh, the grandson of Jack. Was Jack? Oh no, the guy from. Oh no, I take it back. That guy. Oh, uh, Roger Moore. Roger Maris's son. And they. Yeah. And, no. No. The. JT Quinn of the ESPN is also with um, what's his name from the Cubs? Uh, what's his name? The commentator for the Cubs from Old Oh, Chip Carey. Chip Carey. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I got mixed up with Jack Buck and Joe Buck. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but still, like, it's like um, I don't know. I felt very like soft. Like it wasn't really hard hitting. It was it was you know? At this, you know, the last I just, like, was... I think the thing just lock context. Is it, I mean, if if I was doing it, like, the angle would be, all right, yeah, they did PEDs, but they saved baseball. And I'd spend more time saying, the, you know, the fact that both of them, and I always bring this up on Twitter, the fact that those two aren't in the Hall of Fame, but Bud Selig is, is highly hypocritical because Bud Selig, the the league, you know, if you're sitting on there and you're talking about the league was um had to gain back the public trust, you know, after the strike in '94. If it wasn't for that season, and, and and if you're trying to say that this season saved baseball, then that season also saved Bud Selig. So if you want to get rid of the steroids and try to brush that on the rug, you should brush Bud Selig on the rug too because. He, uh, you know, he may, I'm not going to say he allowed steroids, but he benefited for from it. We'll, we'll wrap it up. We'll just, um, yeah, you know, we can all ramble and stuff. We can also talk about, um, you know, there's so many other things going on in the ML, MLB that year. Yeah, um, and like, like uh, Joel said, they don't even. Can I say one? I'm just, uh, I just wanted to add in. Three like, seconds, we, we, like we've said, they, um, they didn't talk about, you know, the Yankees. Winning 114 games, I don't know how you gloss over that. And uh, uh, one more thing before I let you go, Mike. Um, Roger Maris, uh, if you looked it up, neither one of these teams 
won the NL Central division. Uh, they both ended up like well behind the Houston Astros that year. Um, Roger Maris, yes. Roger Maris won the American League pennant. He had to to break the home run record while keeping his team in the race for the American League pennant. And this is back in a day when you literally had to have the best record in your league in order to go to the World Series. And we're sitting here talking about a second and a third place team that lost the, the division by more than 10 games. And so the Astros in the Central Division National League, they were 19 games over the St. Louis Cardinals, Mark McGuire, and they were 12 and a half games over Chicago, Sammy Sosa. Also, the, the, the documentary opens up with Todd McFarlane. Todd McFarlane is the creator of Spawn. He's the illustrator of many Spider-Man comics, just things in Marvel and DC in the late 80s. And uh, I, I heard something recently where he, he was one of the earliest people who got into, like, collecting trading cards, and uh, which is ironic because Ken Griffey Jr. is a lost soul here, where Ken Griffey Jr.'s rookie card at one point was worth, like, someone's like college scholarship at, at that time. And now it's worth nothing. It's like, it's like a, a penny because they made so many of them. It was a scam. And... Uh, so basically, he had he has like most of the balls, the the, the later McGuire um, balls. He has like a whole little set of them that he got from different uh, audience, uh, fans that caught him. Mm-hmm. And are they worth that much now? Because of the whole steroid thing, are they worth it? Is it a novelty to have them now? Basically, you know, and his and also Spawn comics were going for so much in the nineties. It it almost killed comic book industry so i just find that so ironic that baseball it just reminds me of the 90s growing up with baseball comics all that shit and it's all like inflated and one thousand on purpose what? for those who are informed if what was on on purpose no because tom mcfarland is a creator of something that actually turned out to be inflated comic books he was he was part of the whole thing where it made comic books and like inflated value where people mm-hmm. bought like thousands of uh, uh, tens and hundreds and of copies of a comic, and then like Marvel and DC started making so many copies of them, they were worthless. Mm-hmm. And it's the same like with the stats of like the steroid thing, where are they worth anything anymore? That type of thing. And, and they showed him the first shot of the documentary. Seemed very very weird. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, uh, it's still worth something, I'm sure. I don't know. It was weird. And yeah, he also was involved with like they don't what? go down in value. Um, uh, what you call it? Kurt Schilling sock bloody soccer probably sell for like a million dollars. Don't bring him up. That's like dollars. yeah, that's that's a Mc, that's a McDonald's on um, fancy ketchup in a sock. Yeah, yeah like, that's all that. Not even blood. He, he canceled himself earlier, didn't he? Yeah, but it's um it, it'd be worth something because I think when um Barry Bonds broke the um the uh, Hank Aaron's home run record. Uh, Mark Echo, the um, clothes designer, he bought the ball for like two million dollars just to like blow it up. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah, that's so, what I said. Like as a novelty, as a novelty. Yeah, so these things, these things still, these things are still worth something. You know, it just seemed like interesting. Where they, why would Tom, he had nothing? Tom McFarlane, I believe, is like a Seattle or a, um, a Giants. Uh, San Francisco Giants guys. So like, why would he be involved with this? I don't look it up, but 
don't know, maybe you just mm. like the sport. Like, if I had a lot of money, I'd probably buy, like, Pete Alonso's home run ball yeah. and blow it up because, you know, oh, technically, my point he, technically he was tied with Aaron Judge. He only tied the record. He didn't break it because Aaron Judge still had 53 home runs. I was there because oh, he hit one. He Ken hit Griffey one out, Jr. and they, they called it a triple. Guys, the Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card is like, it was worth so much. And then they realized that they made – it was a lie. They made so many more than they said they did. So the, the, the value went down and, like, cards so, were – Like a counterfeit thing. Yes, it was a counterfeit thing. And then that's kind of similar to the, the steroid era where, like, all these stats went up there. And then you realize that, like, you did it down. Like, you're going to not count them anymore. And then you use Tom McFarlane because Tom McFarlane was one of the guys who – uh, started the whole buying I mean, of cards. I mean, but look at it this way. Like, I, I'll, call, I'll call him up. I'm good friends with him. I'll call him up. <laughs> yeah. I, the, the thing with, like, the home run record and, and people saying, like, these these records don't mean anything because, you know, PDs and this, that, and the third. It's like every era of baseball has, like, empty-ass records. Like, the dead ball era, the era before they played – the, the, before they let blacks play. Like, think of it okay. this way. Cocaine era with Keith Hernandez. Like, look at it this way, um, with the color barrier, right? There was a time in baseball where every team would literally take, like, the worst white player available over the best black player available. So, a lot of these, like, Jimmy Fox and um, uh, Babe Ruth and these guys with these, you know, Ted Williams with these big home run records, like they were probably not playing guys that, you know, in today's game would probably make it past like double A based off the fact that you wouldn't take like a black pitcher, like um, Satchel Page, like a, a guy like him, he spent his prime years like exile from the major leagues. You know, you would have loved to seen him go up against, you know, Ruth and Gehrig, but they didn't get the opportunity. So when people talk about empty stats, perhaps like Babe Ruth's like 60, 60 home runs, probably if he played against black players, it would have probably only been like 52. You, you get what I'm saying, Joel? Yeah, I'll tell you. All right. Any final thoughts for uh, today's episode? Joel, um, I know you didn't hear the part about the NBA. You had any thoughts about the NBA restarting? Do you think it should or it shouldn't? Uh, in light of um, uh, the, the I, listen, as as long as like the players are safe and the precautions are good, let them play. We need some type of sports. We bored as hell. We bored as hell as home. Mm-hmm. Like baseball, as long as they safe and the precautions are good. I'm more concerned. Like I said, I remember texting you. I don't know like if they're gonna be allowing people at the game. Like in like they closed certain sections. Like you know how we went um for the World Series in two thousand nine, yeah. and we just sat in the legend seat. I don't know if they're gonna do something like that, or just close off the bleachers, something. Okay. Um. So that's like I'm just waiting for that. And then we we were talking about um uh, MLB the show career. You said you're gonna try to get MLB the show next year. Are you gonna make your own yeah, route to the show player? Yeah. You're gonna get you you're gonna get that PS five, I'm gonna do all that. How you man? And you're gonna make your own road to the show character and, and live out your um fantasy of being a baseball player? I'm gonna 
be World Series champ first year. All right. Rookie <laughs> year. All right. You know what I mean? Rookie of the year. All of that. You gonna put on a fake birthday, or you gonna you and gonna I'm play it out thirty? I'm not gonna play on easy mode, mind you. I'm not playing on easy mode, none of that. All right, replay. Hardest level. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? All right, hopefully Mostly it, online games be every everybody else. Hopefully, your ERA ain't like five point eight zero. Uh, you know, have uh, uh, what's his name? I was always Javier Vasquez I was always level. a second baseman. Hmm. I was a second baseman when I played Little League. I'm a second baseman in in the show. All right. I man. got this. All right, Mike, any final thoughts on the episode? Yeah, the last time we talked about with um, uh, if other players play with the Negro Leagues, there's a living legend from the Negro Leagues right now. You know who it is? Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron. Yeah, Hank Aaron playing. did play. Oh, also Willie Mays played. He's still oh, alive. But you know they're up you know, there, so it's very it, it's um. He's eighty four only. It's, it's not, that, not that crazy. Yeah, actual actual Negro League players they're endangered now. The ones that are still. Uh, he pitched in DR for through here. Mhm. Oh, but like he. But like that, even even the, not even here they wouldn't let. Satchel pace pitch, but through here. And he actually won championships for through here too. Yeah, yeah, he broke the. Yeah, they let them play in like Cuba and Puerto Rico and DR. Well, I just think it's, it's like fa- it's a famous shot of him in uh, he was still in Milwaukee at the time, right? Still in the when he broke it, it was not Atlanta yet. You remember? No, he was on he was on the Braves. Yeah, I know that, but on the Braves, um, I think like his last. Year or two was with the Brewers because you know the Braves used to be in Milwaukee, so okay, okay, so yeah. I had like a um relationship with the city. Yeah, I see that now. That's cool. And then also awesome. he got to, to he got the DH. Uh, yeah. his last two years because he was also there. Still in the yeah, they're in the AL still. Mm-hmm. That's pretty fascinating though. You know, it's like people think it's such a like a far off. We always talk about this. Well, we've been talking about this. It's like a far off history, but it's still like, you know, every day. Yeah, my my stepdad's um my stepdad's cousin. I actually met him. He actually played for the Pirates in the nineteen sixties. Uh, Roger uh Roberto Clemente was the best best man at his wedding. Oh right, yeah. Yeah, Al right. McBean. Al McBean. Look him up. Cool. Al McBean. Yeah, Al McBean. I'll I'll text you his Wikipedia page and his um baseball reference page. Boy, um, so I had a good time. Like, um, I can't really think of anything else about 1998. Uh, with the uh, long gone summer. Um, I mean, you can have fun with it. I had a really good time watching uh, Shug's uh, highlights on MLB the show, so watch that as well. That's gonna be involved with this. Uh, I'm getting uh, nostalgic for uh, playing games, so. Yeah, uh, Joel, I'm gonna send you some of them because I don't. I, I I tell you about it. I don't think you got to see them, so I'm gonna let you see them. And then when we, yeah, and then when we post uh this up on our YouTube channel um in the near future, uh you'll be able to see it. If not, we'll have the links to the videos uh as we talk about them. But we have a rough idea for the next episode. We're gonna talk about some wrestling. Um, we're also gonna talk about the Ken Griffey story. And maybe between now and then, we'll come up with um, a few other topics to talk about. 
Uh, maybe we could get into the Bubba Wallace and the NASCAR that Mike alluded to um, early in the episode. Um, cause it's yeah, something be interesting. You, yeah, because it's yeah. something you can um, overlook. So we'll, we'll get into that in the next episode. Um, between well, now and then, maybe more and more um, facts about it will be out. They already, uh, about a month ago, they already decided to descale de- all their uh, venues that they perform in next year. Uh, they're going to the uh, they're, they're hailing it as like oh we're back to our roots and they're going to some place that they abandoned like 20 years ago so we'll see how that goes it's in a it's in a area that is not metro not more in so you know it's in an old school place so let's see how that goes you know what i mean yeah like a smaller non um yeah in a smaller town yeah. so non- whatever whatever for the the nascar would be like major league Metro, it's, it's, not making, in metro it's taking place. It's taking place in like a minor league type of situation. Yeah. yeah so we'll see how that goes. All right, guys. Yeah. So stay tuned time, for that episode. Uh, Joel, thank you. Mike, thanks as always. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and thank myself. <laughs> and Joel, thank you for putting me to shame with my background. How dare you? How yeah, dare you? With your background. I got way more I, colors. He's got oh, moves. I got light bulbs. I got light bulbs I can put above here. He got like, you know, like one of those pens that got the different colors on it. Like he got like something like that. It just changes the the, the mood yeah. in the room. That'd be great. That's funny. All right, guys. Oh, I had a great time. Now it's green. All right. Cool. He did it. Oh, uh, there you oh, go. All right. Later, man. Later, guys. Okay. So for Mike Mooney and for Joel, this is Shug. And this was JR Ultra. This was Shug Me the Mooney. Shug Me the Mooney. Shug Me the Mooney. All right. Goodbye, guys. God bless.